Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiologist and a sports nutritionist and a bodybuilder. Rob Fortress Fortney here. I'm a former competitive bodybuilder, former editor at Muscle Mag International, and a uh, powerlifter. Yeah. Yes. This is Phil Stevens. I'm a, I guess, a strength coach. I uh, just opened a facility finally. Wait, you guess? Powerlifter and high. <laughs> <laughs> powerlifter and Highland Games athlete and uh, founder of StrengthBuild.com and LiftForHope.org. Rock on. A strength yeah. coach, yeah, with his own facility. I'm jealous. Ooh. Yeah. It's blowing up, man. We, uh, we like quadrupled our attendance in a week. Right so, on. Yeah, yeah, I got some SWAT team guys and stuff coming in here. So. For training or because they're scoping you yeah. out for something? Not for training. <laughs> Come on. Jeez. He's running, he's running an illegal chicken fighting. <laughs> oh yeah. Cockfights. Yeah. <laughs> Don't nice. even go there. <laughs> I was going to, but... Don't, don't Michael Vick me. <laughs> yeah, Michael Vick me. Jeez. So is your training better since you got the new facility, Phil? No, man, my training's worse uh, <laughs> because I'm up at 4 a.m. And then, I, then I'm done at 9. Um, so it's a long day, but it's been going okay. Um, my diet's going good. I'm down. I'm down like... 13 pounds, but I'm down two inches off my waist. So, really? not bad. Not bad. For three and a half weeks, it's not bad. I'm right on target. And uh, I went in and hit 715 for three singles yesterday from mid-shin. And, uh, yeah, stuff's going well. Well, you see, now that doesn't suck. That sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, it was just harder than it should have been. Yeah. So. That's to be expected. One of those days. Actually, I followed the advice we talked on a recent episode. I... Uh, I was back in Ohio uh, over the weekend, and I, I did some squats. And 405, I was just struggling with it. And I'm like, what's going on? You know how sometimes you're just burnt and it just doesn't come together. So I literally, I didn't even, I didn't even take off my belt or anything. I just peeled off a plate and then just tried to rep out with 315. Uh, you know, during this, the bad set with 405, and I'm telling you, I got ruined. I was, and you know what, too. Uh, and I know experienced lifters will know this, but I got sore. Talk about posterior chain like you always do, Phil. My glutes, my hamstrings, and my, my like adductors ruined. My quads were only mildly sore, you know. And that's a squat, you know. Yeah. I mean, the way I was squatting, of course, it's not an Olympic style in, in that regard. But anyway, obviously, I, I was my form was still okay because I got sore where I should have, but... Uh, yeah, and then later this week, I actually backed off on everything that wasn't the squat because my mistake in the past, I've always tried to go sort of, you know, max out in all three lifts. Yeah. And I'm not doing that at all. Maybe in the future, we could talk about, you know, bench pressing and stuff because I have just had some epiphanies about bench pressing. I honestly think I'm going to put 30 pounds on my bench press in a very short period of time just because I'm not a, a, I'm not being a goober anymore. Nice. <laughs> you know, but anyway, yeah, so I backed off with the back work and, uh, 
I just did, you know, I just did rack pulls. You know, you're talking about like low pulls with 700. I only put 405 on, man. But, you know, that's, that's all I'm good for. So if I do a couple sets like that, it feels good. You know, I like yeah. those. Uh, uh, and I tried some, uh, power cleans and stuff, but I didn't go balls to the wall on purpose because I just did a scorching squat workout, you know. Yeah. So not, you can't, you can't have three targets at the same time every week. I don't know. I just don't think so. But Rob, your training is probably most important. You're closing in on your show, right? When you're uh, event. Yeah, yeah. I, I, this is my uh, what am I? Seven weeks away. I think I think this is my fourth last training week. So yeah, and I squat right after the show. I squat actually. So that'll be my fourth last squat session. So wow. Yeah. Closing in. Closing in. Is it, are you excited or are you feeling different right now? Or? Um, you know, I, I've always said this to people who said that, you know, uh, about, you know, why don't I compete more and stuff like that. And I've always maintained that I don't need, first of all, competition to, to you know, to bolster my training intensity or my passion, nor do I need it for any plastic trophies or, or any sort of... Uh, you know, it's, it's, so what do you say? I'm excited. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, it's going to be fun. Absolutely, it's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. But I, I can't say that my training is really any different than it ever has been. Outside of the fact that I'm, you know, uh, you know, specifics that I'm doing is, you know, to the end result of the competition. But I mean, right. you know, as far as, as far as having more passion in the gym or feel more ramped up about it or something, I, I mean, you know me, Lonnie, you've trained with me billions of times i you know i just i just love training so you know whether it's a competition or not a competition i'm 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 always just going in there and you know do, doing what what i think needs to be done and training with the same love i've had for 26 years so oh, sure well you know, you know I'm, I'm similar i i rarely compete and sometimes i think some of the younger guys that I, i'll work with sometimes they're like oh you're not going to compete this year i said no nor next year i i tend to compete when i think it's time just to sort of Test my courage in a way, you know. Well, or, yeah, and, and or and, or like Phil once said, when you're when it comes right down to the wire and you're under scrutiny, you want to make sure that judges you don't know are concurring with your self assessment, right? You right, know, so, right. so you're in, in other words, you don't want to be a uh, a chump with false confidence, yeah. right? No, I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to it and, you know, I have been kind of dormant in the competition round for several years and I, I fully intend to compete once or twice a year from now on until, until I'm done. So, um, you know, barring injury and all that type of thing. But again, I'm not doing it for any sort of, you know, ideas of glory or, you know, I'm, I'm doing it basically because I, you know, I have a own, my own standard of what kind of things I want to achieve. Um, you know, and achieve those things for, purely just self-satisfying reasons uh so yeah i mean but yeah i'm looking forward to it absolutely it's fun and certainly the fact that i'm doing it essentially raw um you know i'm gonna wear my single ply squat suit uh, no knee wraps or anything like that but just that um so it's essentially raw outside of that so you know i'm that certainly alleviates a lot of as you know, Phil can attest to that, and we talked about last week on the show. You know that that whole thing alleviates a lot of tension or worry or complexity because you you basically just show up with your weight training belt, you know, and 
you know, you don't have to worry about timing stuff. You just kind of, you know, warm up, go out and go out in the, the, the platform and, and lift some weight. That's it. So get her done. The only difference to me is, you know, that there's going to be people watching me and it's, uh, I actually like, there's two, like I discussed last week, there's two types of people. I see, I, from my vantage point, there's the guys who lift worse in meats and the guys who lift better in meats. I tend to be one, I think that lifts better, um, cause I, I like the whole, I'm, I'm so, um, you know, I, I train by myself the majority of the time. Um, like when I'm in the gym this afternoon, I can guarantee you there's going to be probably no one in the back room while I'm squatting. So, like, no one to even spot me. So, you know, when I actually have a lot of people around me and there's that heightened sense of awareness of just, you know, the people around looking at you, energy, blah, blah, blah. I, I just get very ramped up about it, you know, so it's... Uh, it's just more stimulus, you know, I think it's cool. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, I, I like that whole kind of um, presentation type deal of the whole thing. So, um yeah, it's going to be fun. Absolutely, it's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. And like I say, you know, I hope to hit the marks that I do. But at the very least, um, you know, it's it's going to be, you know, get my feet back, you know, wet. And, and and like I say, it's fun, right? To me, it's no different than going to the gym. I always tell people that, you know, it's like, so you show up and there's a couple people sitting around with some traffic lights. I mean, it's just, it's to me, it's kind of the same. You know what I mean? It's the same kind of yeah. thing. You just go in there and the only difference is it's a little bit more of a brotherhood kind of environment, you know, because, uh, because, you know, everybody usually is quite supportive in those types of things. So it's, it's more of a fun kind of thing. You go there and your friends and family are around and, you know, you just have some fun. But to me, it's just a big workout, really. Right. You know, well, and, you know, you're a, you're a bit more type B. I'm, I'm more type A and I do it partly because I want to be comfortable up there. You know what I mean? There's a certain amount of, uh, it's a challenge for me to calm down. And not that you're not amped up, you are. Whether I think whether it's bodybuilding or powerlifting, you're pretty, pretty amped up. But it just sort of reminds me, you know, that I can do that. That under scrutiny, I can, I can focus and calm down. And you know, I think that's what a lot of athletes struggle with sometimes with yeah. sports psychology. Giving all these distractions and all this intensity, can you stay focused? Right. And the biggest thing that I think is going to be, you know, the the experience factor that I hope to gain in the next couple of years is is that whole idea. I mean, if I have a disadvantage, um, we all have disadvantages. Uh, my biggest one would be um, just the fact that because I have been so um, you know, independent in my training for so many years, so many years. I'm not used to lifting on demand. You know, I lift right, when I want yeah. to lift. I, you know, like if I, I'll, you know, if I feel good three minutes later to do another set, I'll do, you know, if I, if I, if I literally, if I want to wait 15 minutes, I'll wait 15 minutes. Um, you know, when I'm in the gym, it, it, it yeah. I go completely when I want to go. I mean, hell, I've been known to take more than 15 minutes between sets if it's, you know, something really heavy and it's just the way I feel that day. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I say, I've been known to be ridiculous and, you know, do two massively heavy sets three minutes apart. It's just, I, so, so the whole thing for me, the biggest challenge for me is going to have to be, um, again, just kind of, kind of buckle down and realize that I'm not lifting on my time. I'm lifting on their time. Um, but right. yeah, you can't, I, you can't employ the weeder instinctive training principle. No, exactly. I mean, you're either up there when the bar gets loaded or you're not, you know, and if you're not, they just keep moving on to the next guy. So, and no, you know what, Rob? I actually, I think that's what attracts me to weightlifting. When I do team sports or like a martial art or something like that, sometimes you just, 
not from a lack of discipline, but you just don't feel ready for practice. And that's the beauty, I think, of, of weight training and bodybuilding, powerlifting is that you know you're going to get it done. But you right. can do it when you're ready, and that's going to help your performance and your results over time. Right, yeah. Yeah, I, and, yeah and that's, I mean, that's one of the bigger pieces of the puzzle, the whole reason why I kind of always have kind of um, leaned toward, you know, non-team sports for myself. I, I There's lots of reasons, but that's one of the reasons, definitely, because I don't like to play on other people's t- schedule. But, I mean, again, when you're when you're in a powerlifting meet, that's certainly something that doesn't bother me at all because, again, it's a, it's, it's a necessity, obviously. And, it, like I said, it's, it's just fun. You know, that's the day you go, you put it out, and, you know, win, lose, or draw. I mean, if you walk out of there and you're not injured, and you, know, and you, and you didn't embarrass yourself, and you, you won't embarrass yourself if you if you put in some time. Well, I, you know, it's that, I, I've heard it. A lot recently, that that new slogan that a lot of people are using. The I think they use it a lot in the fighting arts and mixed martial arts. Things like a train hard, fight easy. Yeah. Um, it's been kind of going around for a while, and lately I've seen it a lot. But you know what? I mean, that really is a lot of the ways that I've always thought about what I do anyway. And I know you guys are the same way. Um, you know, if like for you, Lonnie, for bodybuilding, you know, and like I used to be a bodybuilder too. The same kind of rules apply. You know, like I know that you were like, you know, if you want to get on stage and you don't want to embarrass yourself, then you know you have to train and diet and do all the prep hard, you know, and then you go on stage. And I'm not saying bodybuilding is easy on stage, but you know what I'm saying. Like I mean, at some point, the work's basically done. You know what I mean? Like I mean, when you're a week or two away from a bodybuilding competition, I mean, the yeah. work is done. I mean, yeah. there's really not a lot you can do at that point. I mean, yeah, you can manipulate small things here and there to, you know, a little bit this, a little bit that. But essentially, is for certainly as far as fat loss and leanness and that type of thing. I mean, you're you know, muscle size. I mean, the, no, the big, if anything, the, I think the guys who try to get crazy at the last minute or on the day of a show are the ones who basically screw themselves up with water massive. balance or you know. Massively, yeah. but yeah. certainly in the big things, right? You want to be on stage, you know, with as much muscle as you can and as lean as you can. Those two things, if you're not there, basically a week and a half, two weeks before, you're done. And and the way I I can kind of say it way with you know this, it's just like you go in, you train as hard and as intensely and as you know as disciplined as you can be in in you know all the numerous weeks leading up to it. And you go on the meet, and at that point, you know, it, it shouldn't be a big stress factor. You know, you should look at it like it's fun. You know, you put a lot of work into it. I mean, you know, the reps that you've had to do to get to that point are, you know, insurmountably greater than the reps you're going to do on that day. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, I'm today in training for my squats, I'm probably going to do like, you know, four times the reps and the weight that I'll have to do, you know, on the day of the, the competition. So, you know, it's like, the, you know, the, the real work is the, is, the, is the preparation. And when you go and in I, there, it's... I, I mean, imagine I love the strategy, to, I love too, right? I mean, if you think yeah. about the strategy there, I mean, you're not going to try to do lifts that are impossible for you. You're going to start with something you know you can get. I mean, presumably, right? Well, and then yeah. that takes a lot of the stress off it, too, because you have a certain element of success. Now, if you go and you miss all your lifts... You may, maybe you set the mark too high that day, you know? Yeah. I, but well, it exactly. seems to me like in your real success. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I think it comes down to it as well. I mean, I actually wrote an article that kind of touches on what you've been saying yesterday and, and had a quote up on, on Facebook. It's like, um, don't let fright of failure make you fail indefinitely without ever trying. Embarrassment and true failure should belong to and only to those who don't have the balls to get up and try at all. Right on. You know, if you just get up there and try, 
give it your best. You know, you're doing a lot more than the person sitting there eating a donut, watching, talking crap on you. Look at him, he failed. Well, you get up here and try it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, that's very similar to the thing that Lonnie, um, you know, that that. Um, oh, Teddy Roosevelt quote. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. the one that you actually—I think you read it actually a few months ago on the show. Um, I mean, that that's very similar to the one that Phil's, you know, talking about that that whole idea that you know, the only people who really fail are the ones who don't even give it a shot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you can't. That's why I always say to people, you know, it's like, and I've done now bodybuilding and both powerlifting, and I can tell you, it's it's like. It gives you a whole new perspective. That's why people who are so much into one of these things, I always say, you know, even if you have no aspirations of ever taking it anywhere or, you know, to any great degree or, you know what, if you have, I'm not saying everybody has to or anything like that, but if you have the opportunity to and you think that you can make a run at it, you know, and, and, and you know, do decently, do it. Because you know what, even, even doing it once it makes your whole perspective on the whole thing is so much different. I remember that after I did, did my first bodybuilding competition, I remember saying to some friends, you know what? I never really was a bodybuilder before this. I was just training with weights. You know, now I feel like a bodybuilder because it's like, it's like, like I say, it really does open your eyes. It's one thing to talk about it. It's just like, just like the guy, you know, I remember, you know, when I was, went on a, a camping trip several years ago, you know, when there was, a, we were jumping off these cliffs into the lake and I was, I swam up to it and it was like 40 or 50 feet. And, you know, you're looking at guys jumping off that from the bottom, and you're like, that doesn't look so bad. That's not so high. You know, and they're like, well, come up here. Yeah, yeah, whatever. You go up there, and you're standing on the ledge. You're like, wait, wait a second. Is this the same cliff I was looking up at? Right. You know, it looks so much higher. And no matter how much you think that you, you know, could, could, you've, you've immersed yourself in the culture, and you've watched videos, and you understand the nuances of the sport, nothing ever can change the place of actually doing it you know like you know Lonnie like standing in the wings of the stage you know when you're next to go do your posing routine or you know you're you're you know on deck and you're going up to you know you're next to get under the barbell I mean nothing can change you know that kind of experience and and no it's not about the love of the training it's about like I said you know can you control yourself and behave with dignity and success you know to me it's just exploring mental states that's really if if you break it right down, I think that's one of the reasons that I do compete when I do is, like you said, there's no there's no substitute uh, with all the theory in the world and as, as evidence based as I usually am. Uh, what people usually say is, "Hey, we like what you guys do. You know, you guys have some credibility. You actually compete. You actually do it yourselves. You understand the academic side. You know, but yeah, I agree. It's just when you were talking about the jumping off. You know." into the water. It's like downhill skiing. You watch people from the bottom and you're like, oh, you know, so you could think, yeah, you could study skiing, <laughs> right. but you're blue in the face, but you're not going to explore that mental state of, you, you know, the, your, your ski tips hanging over the edge of a black diamond slope or something. You know, it's you interesting know. that you even bring that up because again, 10, 12 years ago, I remember I was at one of the uh, ski hills here in Ontario. And I remember, it, it, it's funny you even mentioned this because I remember on, on this, the, the winter before that they were using this hill for, I don't know, a national championship or something. And, um, and I remember going up on the lift and taking the right instead of the left over to that hill that was not, by the way, open to just, you know, regular skiers, but I just wanted to go over and look at the hill. I certainly had no intention of going down it, but, and I remember looking down and thinking, Oh my God, like on TV, yeah. you really don't 
get how steep this bloody hill is. Like, it's the competitor's it's, eye view. You know it's what I mean? Insane. And I think that's what we're talking. That's the analogy. It's the competitor's eye view. There's only one way to get the competitor's perspective, and that's to compete. Yeah, and I mean, I was looking down this hill, and I remember thinking to myself, God, on TV, this doesn't look... I mean, from my vantage point on top of the hill, looking down, it almost looked like it was just straight up and down. You know what I'm thinking? God, oh, yeah? it, like, you, you just don't get this perspective on TV of how steep this bloody hill is. You know, and it, yeah, it's just, like you say, it's it's nothing can, even if you go to the meets or competitions and you watch it, you know, just that feeling inside the gut, you know, I don't care how many people are like, well, I don't, you know, I feel feel no fear and stuff. It, it's like that line from, you know, the movie 300, which, by the way, to our listeners is absolutely has to be an Iron Radio approved movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean that's just all parts freaking testosterone, that movie. But, you know, and he's and, you know, when he's always thinking back to, you know, what he refers to as the, you know, the the, the wolf and the in the cold winter or whatever he says and he's saying you know it's it's not fear it's just a heightened sense of awareness you know and it's right, a heightened yeah. sense of you know awareness of what's going on around you and like you say you can't you can't mimic that you can't go in the gym and say okay today i'm going to pretend i'm in a competition i mean that's good to do that i think that's actually i do that a lot you know where even if i'm squatting 300 pounds i'm pretending it's nine you know 1200 pounds that stuff is all very useful but like you say nothing can replicate the actual experience of doing it, you know, and, right. and it's not about the love of training. Cause I'm with you. I, I don't need to compete to fuel any passion for moving iron. I'm going to yeah. do that every day and I'm going to fricking love it. But it is, it's just like I said, it's exploring that, that other side. Like you said, you literally put yourself in a precarious position to see if you can handle it. And that's, that, that's one of the things I think modern sports provide, you know, yeah. because otherwise, how do you put yourself in a precarious, uh, or, you know, perceivedly dangerous position in today's world, you really can't, you know, not without being reckless or, or crazy. Uh, uh, and this is the kind of thing that you, you're, you're allowed. <laughs> Society says you're allowed to put yourself in this precarious state and see if you sink or swim. Yeah. And that's also, I think why, um, not to, you know, change subjects too much, but <clears throat> I always hear, you know, um, people talking about, you know, troubled youth and so forth in certain parts of usually inner cities and stuff that are suffering. They're always talking about the need to kind of get things together where, you know, you have organized sports and so forth and the physical pursuits that these young men predominantly and stuff can get involved in. And it's been, it's shown time It's and the again. rite of passage, right? I've seen research on most cultures have some sort of rite of passage for young men. Yeah. And yeah, this provides that, doesn't it? Yeah. And like you say, we, we, you know, I mean, this, modern societies we live in um, will do everything in, in it, their powers to really um, make you less of a man. They really will. Because they, they don't want, you know, it's, it's all, think about all the things that, you know, are, are put down, you know, for being hyper male. Um, yeah. You know, and I, including the movie 300, you just mentioned that. And I agree yeah. with you. That's almost like required reading to be honest with you, because if you can appreciate the nuances of it, but instead you see in the media these, you know, sort of fruitcake reporters saying stuff like, or, you know, it, it's uh, homophobic, or not homophobic, it's homoerotic. You know, it's, it, this has all got strong undertones of, of gay men. And I'm like, why? Because you could see their pecs? You know, get over it, man. 
You know, these well, the interesting, yeah. barely wore armor and they had a big shield and a spear. Don't twist this into some kind of gay something. You know what I mean? Well, I, I was to looking little it because they're yeah. afraid of it or they don't understand it. Well, I was looking into the Spartan thing because, of course, you know, I, I, I'm really into all that type of thing. And um, I've watched that movie so many times, but I just put it on the other day to, to watch it again. And it kind of re-spurred my interest in looking to, you know, Spartan lifestyle and stuff. And apparently, um, I mean, it was a pure battle cult, um, culture. Spartan culture, and the interesting thing is, though, people don't realize that the Spartans believed that the perfect warrior, which is what every every person in Spartan cult, including the women, were, were trying to push themselves towards, but they believed that the ultimate warrior um, it was somebody who also had a firm grasp on music and art and poetry and uh, wittiness Apparently, the, the elder Spartans would would sit in front of the younger Spartan warriors, and they would actually have um, periods where they would just try to outwit each other in conversation. Yeah, constantly challenge yourself. So, so it wasn't what the single minded. You know, people think, oh, well, it's so single minded, but their whole concept was so so much more broad than what we think of it today. You know, like the perfect warrior to them, the perfect battle instrument was somebody who was well versed in. You know, all different types of civilized culture, you know, and they were expected when they were marching to battle, they would all sing songs and, and, you know, and they had a big, you know, play instruments and stuff. They were all about, you know, dance and poetry and almost Renaissance type. Yeah. Renaissance men. I mean, that's not the right term here, but yeah, exactly. Well rounded, expected to be on their toes in different ways. Uh, In fact, you know what? Let me just make a little segue here. One of the things I think that attracted me to all those years in academics is constantly being tested. Imagine having an, a sink or swim exam in front of your face every week for 15 years. So I know my shit. And sometimes <laughs> sometimes I get offended when people are like, oh, that's superfluous. Or, you know, you, you'll see um, various, I don't know, personal trainers or people that didn't go to, to university. They're they're acting like experts or, you know, Tom Platz was on YouTube. I saw a video recently and he was talking about, uh, missing our roots, you know, and how if you're purely academic, uh, you know, you don't, you never walked the walk. You're just talking the talk and all these people in personal training land, they just talk the talk. Well, you know what? Just like competing is walking the walk. Going to school and being constantly challenged intellectually as far as I went, that is also walking the walk. So I'm very disappointed when sometimes people will say, you know, uh, I'm an expert. Well, I hate that word. I'm not an expert, and I went to school for 15 years. And I'm not blowing my own horn. I'm just saying there's so much crap in the industry, and I know that that'll sort of be our topic of the day. But there's a lot of intellectual crap, uh, just like there's a lot of physical crap as far as people misrepresenting and whatnot yeah so but anyway before we get into the topic of the day and go to a quick break here i think we're almost time for break i just want to do a a little bit of uh recent research here for anybody who's interested i got my new copy of the american journal of clinical nutrition uh i always say it's my favorite journal there's just cool stuff in it and i i just i'm just going to digest a little bit of it and not bore people with these whole manuscripts but I'm going to read two studies before we go to break. So here, we'll check this out. This first one is consumption of added sugars is decreasing in the United States. 
Now, this is very interesting because the last published description of added sugar intake was literally like in the early 90s or maybe mid-90s. So we haven't been looking at this much lately, but let me just read this quickly. The consumption of added sugars, uh, you know, literally calorie-rich sweeteners, has been linked to obesity, diabetes, and heart disease. Little is known about the consumption trends in the United States or how they compare to current guidelines. So between 1999 and 2000, what they did was, by the way, I should tell you about the methods just a little. They looked at the NHANES data set. This is a huge nutrition health examination survey. It's a finger on the pulse of what people are eating. So this is really the data set that we go to. But it says between 1999 and 2000, and then they looked again at the 0708 data. So they're going to compare, you know, this eight-year gap. Um, the absolute intakes intake of sugars decreased from 100 grams per day to 77 grams per day. Now, first of all, 100 grams a day of sugar, that seems like an awful lot. But, you know, we're in a carb-rich society. So anyway, it's dropped from 100 to 77. Two-thirds of this decrease resulted from decreased soda consumption. I know that's one of Phil's things that he'll avoid like the plague, trans fats and soda. I mean, there's nothing good about pop. Where in nature, where in nature do you see something brown and fizzy and bubbling and you say, oh yeah, I want to drink some of that. You know, (laughs) you don't. So anyway, it it looks like soda consumption is finally down by 08. Energy drinks were the only source of added sugars to increase over the study period. The percentage of total energy from added sugars also decreased from 18.1% to 14.6%. It says, however, mean intakes continue to exceed recommended limits. And one last tidbit on this here. They say that the U.S. Department of Agriculture began to use the term added sugars. That's an official term. Added sugars back in the year 2000 to help consumers identify foods with added energy but few additional micronutrients or phytochemicals. So, again, empty calories kind of idea. So the government term is added sugars and, you know, damn, cola just fits that five ways to Sunday. So. Anyway, it's good to see that some uh, there's been about a 25 gram drop in sugar intake. Uh, probably too late for you know the obesity epidemic, but it, it may slowly help turn it around. We'll see. So uh, you know what, and I should give credit where it's due. That's uh, Gene Welsh and colleagues. Uh, so yeah, this is stuff from the September 2011 AJCN. Uh, the second study, just quickly. This is something I've wondered about for years. People will ask me how long. Should I stay at a at a new lower body weight before I my body will reset my set point will reset you know like somebody they're overweight they try to lose weight or if they regain what happens you've heard of yo yo dieting before <clears throat> so that's what this is about it says is lean is lost lean mass from intentional weight loss recovered during weight regain now this is a group of postmenopausal women okay I get that but there's so little data on this in fact listen to this. Despite the well-known recidivism of obesity, surprisingly little is known about the composition of body weight during regain. So think about bodybuilders who diet down and then they regain. And again, I know we're talking about uh, uh, women here and not young men. That's fine, but there's very little data, believe it or not. So after intentional weight loss, um, it says considerable inter-individual variability in weight regain was noted. And these numbers are big. They were really varying hugely in how much weight they regained after a diet. Uh, 
let's say, it says, especially in those who regained uh, more than two kilograms of body weight. Well, that's only 4.4 pounds. So anybody who diets down in strength sports, again, I'm extrapolating hugely, I know, and, and it's not a perfectly valid comparison. But like I said, there's almost no data. So anyway, people who gain back four or five pounds or more, huge difference in, in you know, uh, it, the variability there. Uh, it said it did indicate greater fat mass accretion than lean mass accretion after the diet. And the p-value here, the reliability of this data is really good. So um, specifically for every one kilo of fat loss during the weight loss intervention, 0.26 kilograms of lean tissue were lost. Uh, for every one kilogram of fat regained over the following year, the regain period, only 0.12 kilos of lean mass was regained. Oh, wow. So you're only regaining half of the lean tissue you lost in the dieting process. And doesn't this go back to what, Rob, you and I were talking about this, and I know Phil agrees. You start trading too much lean mass for each pound of body fat because right. the judges expect you to look like a prison camp victim or something. I don't want to be non-PC, but you know what I mean. Yeah. And uh, you, you're literally almost defying or uh, going against the mission of bodybuilding. Uh, and that's, again, I know these aren't bodybuilders, but you know, at least in this group, I mean, they're regaining, they're losing twice as much lean mass in, that they regain. So in other words, it's permanent loss. You know, permanent and this, loss. this kind of also uh, puts a lot of um, loose validity, at least, the whole concept that we're always talking about eating up to a certain weight um, and then allowing yourself to train and exist at that weight over a period of time and, you know, the composition gradually working out to the better. I mean, it, it kind of ties in with that, I think, you know, yeah, when you well, really think about it. It's it's better to go one way. I mean, again, bearing in mind all the variables that we're, we're mentioning here, you know, the, 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 the test subjects and that study and all that type of thing. It seems to be the better if you are looking for, you know, to build muscle mass to go one way versus the other way, you know, from well, what you're says, So here's some data. This is from the general review. So this isn't just about the women, but notably caloric restriction simultaneously results in reductions in both fat mass and lean tissue. So we know yeah. that. Well, here right, it is. Yeah, yeah. Here, here's the numbers with lean mass loss ranging from 14 to 23% of the total weight loss. So. <sighs> Again, can you try to uh, avoid that number with with uh, heavy weights and certain supplements or certainly drugs? Yeah, you can modify those numbers, but under natural conditions, fourteen to twenty three percent of the yeah. weight lost is, is is muscle more or less. Lean. Which is why I always say, you know, when to the pre contest bodybuilder, the um, the biggest biggest benefit you can have is drugs, you know, to maintain that size. Um, again, like you say, certainly just lifting heavy weights and continuing your training, resist, resistance training is certainly a wonderful way to, you know, to, to at least minimize that, that negative effect as well. But certainly, like I say, you know, the benefit to a pre-contest bodybuilder, um, the performance enhancing drugs, I mean, it's just monstrous, you know? Well, in, in fact, well, we'll talk about this in the future, but when you talk about pre-competition gurus, a lot of these guys are more or less just drug experts. But oh, yeah. I would contend that there are three levels of pre-competition guru, or at least two. There's the one group that's good on getting natural guys very, very lean. Are they going to look like a professional bodybuilder with pink cellophane for skin? No, they're not. They're natural. But So there's the natural or low-dose kinds of gurus or experts, 
you know, and they know how to get people ripped. And then there's the high dose guys. And once growth hormone is in the picture and all these other kinds of things, so think like a pro bodybuilder or a, a national caliber bodybuilder is going to get you ready for a show. He's going to have unique knowledge that's not in the textbooks about how a heavily drugged up physique can be treated. And I think that's what you're yeah. getting to, Rob, which is you can, in a lot of ways, you could almost stop eating uh, for periods of time, just eat tons of protein and stop eating and have some pretty decent results. Whereas if a natural guy did that, he'd be a train wreck. Yeah. You know, so there's actually different rules. Whether or even going natural low dose or or high yeah. dose, you know. Or even going to the extremes the other way, you know. These guys can eat everything that a pre-contest bodybuilder is supposed to eat, plus everything else, you know, two, three McCain, McCain cakes, you know, donuts. Oh, absolutely. You know, and uh, you, you, Lonnie, you and I certainly have had many experiences with actually first-hand witnessed to see guys who are at the top and some of the crazy things that they'll eat. And you're thinking, well, how is that even possible? But when you're on such levels of of these all these different anabolic and cutting drugs it's remarkable <laughs> especially gh but i remember the first time i was exposed to gh i was at a, an event and the the guest poser i saw him out in the uh, lobby and he's whooping down two dozen powder donuts and i'm like oh he's gonna be off season this sucks i'm not gonna be able to see him. he got on stage and i don't remember his name he was a he's a black guy I like this video. He had a real straight nose. I just cannot remember his name. Almost a pointy type nose. He had a great, he, he was, a, he wasn't a flash in the pan, but he's only around for two or three years. And I can picture him in my, and I'm trying to describe his face. I can picture it in my, in my head. But anyway, he got on stage. He raised his arm above his head and bink, 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 bink out popped his serratus. And I'm like, what? You know, and then I started realizing, you know, then people backstage and, you know, he's kind of talking freely about using eight IUs of GH every other day or something. And I'm like, and and that's when the competitors, some of them were telling me, well, you know, when, when you got that much growth hormone in the picture, literally everything you eat turns to muscle and fat's going to melt away regardless. So it behooves you. He's, he's not, he's not falling off the wagon at all. He's doing exactly what he should be doing. And I'm like, hey, you know what? No, but I was actually just going to comment. That is, um, Pretty low dosage for well, a lot of guys today. If I you mean, look at I've, the if, yeah, Rob, do you know what current doses are? Because if, if I've you heard look at the guys, the doing, highest I've seen is four units, four I use every other day or something like that. I or, hear a lot of dosages between twelve and twenty a day. Oh my oh, god! Crap. Yeah, and I and, and like I say, a base of like you know just a just general anabolics, a base of you know between fifteen hundred and four thousand a day. Make, okay, makes absolutely absolutely. So, Day? Uh, oh yeah. So like eight to ten thousand a week. Sometimes. Oh. But I mean, wow. but even if you think, but I mean, that, that's ex- extreme, obviously. But yeah. I mean, but even if you think about doing that a week, that's still an amazing oh, amount. But that's right. I I'll tell you what, you guys. This was many years ago, but I uh, I knew a guy. He lived in the same town. He competed in the in the Mister Pittsburgh, which you know that's the NPC national headquarters, and you know that's a hardcore show, and. There was some guy boasting about using two grams of testosterone or something, and he laughed at him. You know, you was, you know, just yeah. unloaded on this guy, belittled him, besmirched him. <laughs> it was, and I'm like, what are, it made me wonder, because he didn't divulge how much he was on, but if 2,000 milligrams of like, I don't know, testosterone, let's say, as a base, I'm like, my God, what are you using, man? You know, you're laughing at this other dude. And now, of course, we also have he to. He was 270 in shape, you know. Yeah. So, 
Now, of course, you have to realize that to our listeners out there. Cer- certainly, I mean, we we might be talking about the extremes. Um, it could be higher, it could be lower, and, and in a lot of cases, um, it could be lower for guys who are shorter or smaller stature, uh, national or pro bodybuilders. I mean, guys who are like five foot three, five foot four, you know, to fill out that frame. But but even guys who are good responders um, that are you know five eleven, six foot tall men. Um, like I say, even if they're good responders, when you're looking at a guy who's, okay, let's just say five foot eleven, and he's on stage at like, you know, 3% body fat, weighing 275, 280 pounds, and he's in like, you know, tight, like, like Lonnie's saying, cellophane condition, I mean, even if the guy is, like I say, great responders and stuff, you're still looking at a lot of help there. I mean, that, that's not some guy just, you know, farting around with a couple five milligram tabs. You know, what I mean, that's that's a lot of work in there. You know, and yeah, those aren't cycles. That's continuous use for yeah. long period, many many months and years. Usually, yeah, that's not. It's amazing to even talk about people who say I'm on an off cycle. Uh, you know, and they're still on a ton of stuff. Oh yeah, by, a, by an amateur standards, you're like that's off. Yeah, you know? Know. yeah. There was a lot of that talk when I was in Thailand and and around those guys because. Well, over there it was it was neat because you could kind of study the culture a bit more because it was totally legal. Kind right, of. right. Um, and yeah, off time was like two, three grams a week. Oh my god! <laughs> well, I, well I, I I always tell a story to Lonnie, and because we're on the, the show, I certainly won't mention his name. Um, I actually like this guy quite a bit. Um, but there was a guy who was a very, very, very high-ranking professional bodybuilder, say twelve, fifteen years ago. Um, he was looked upon as Possibly somebody who was going to be a future Mr. Olympia. As as it turned out, he had some health problems and had to bail. But anyway, um, I remember speaking with him, and um, he was at one point telling me that he was off, and I was on the phone with him, and I said, "Oh, really? You you are actually one of these guys that actually comes completely off?" He goes, "Yeah, yeah." And he kept talking about that, and then finally he he blurted out, "Well, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm on 400, you know, of tests just a week." 400 gra- you know milligrams yeah. a week just to, yeah. and I, and I remember thinking to myself that's off that right. that put 50 pounds on my squat in a month right like, at least well no, there's and there's no doubt that's a good that's certainly as a you know physiologist that is a dose that's going to have a very definite effect mm-hmm. so i think when these guys say them they're off they literally mean maybe they've just pulled out the gh and the igf1 or something or yeah they they they're down to a gram or like in that case <laughs> roughly half a gram yeah and to yeah, if any one of us did that, we'd be on cloud nine for a while, I think. You know, you'd be like, woo! <laughs> All right, that, that's, a, that's a good place to leave off. Let, let's just do a couple of messages, and when we come back, we're going to talk about this concept of um, sort of consumerism and how people misrepresent uh, in sports like bodybuilding and powerlifting. Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry, and on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, we'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, you can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, it's Lawnman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. 
So uh, whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook, uh, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website, and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact, uh, follow us in other media, and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. Like your weekly fix of Iron Radio? In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once-per-week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. Welcome back, ironradio.org listeners. This is uh, Lonnie and Robin Phil, and we're going to just briefly touch on a topic of the day today, which is sort of uh, misrepresentation in bodybuilding and powerlifting and stuff like that, and how it's done and why it's not cool, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. Rob, you know, let's start, you were telling us a story before we started recording today about something that you thought was sort of misrepresentative uh, Maybe just share some of that. Yeah, and and it I, it needs to be said said as a pre- preface that to this whole thing that that certainly I don't have like courtroom proof of any of this, but you know anyway. So the point being is that there's a very popular ex um, top bodybuilder um, who has been retired for many years. Um, he is now the uh, I guess CEO owner of his own. Uh, supplement line, and he's recently got quote go back in shape, you know, because he wanted to see if he could do it at fifty one or how old ever old he is. Anyway, um, and there's all this controversy because people are saying, you know, like, uh, are you natural or not in that, and arguments back and forth and so forth. And he's of course saying that he's entirely natural um, in, in his in his uh, the document that he wrote and put online for people to to read. I don't know. It's just, it's just. I, I don't want to talk bad on anybody, but, but certainly in relation to what we're talking about right now, it needs to be said. There's so much of this going on out there, and of course, um, somebody on a website said something like, you know, this particular individual chose business over honesty, and um, I think that's a good platform to kind of go off, you know, because certainly all these big um, bodybuilding supplement companies always have as their endorsed athletes um, the people that are representing the product in the ads and so forth are, are all these guys who are I mean let's let's not screw up the issue here. These guys are all on a lot of drugs. Okay, and, and to even think for a second that these guys achieved, you know, the conditioning and the size that they did because of some you know, um, you know, nitro this that they're holding up in a, in an ad is, is such, right. such utter and complete nonsense. Well, even if they don't explicitly lie, like we were saying, there's, there's the implied lie, you know, when somebody that huge, and I know that the pro that you're talking about within, you know, like you said, several pounds of competition shape and, and looking almost the same, you know, uh, so when he holds up a product, it's suggestive that the product is, um, you know, the reason for that condition. 
and back to our earlier com- our conversation, these guys, they think off is half a gram a week. So, you know what I mean? Maybe in a lot of ways, they justify that to themselves. That I'm not using as much as I used to, therefore, I'm clean or something like that. You know what right. I mean? And that's, well, even, even in the it's clever, all relative. Right. Even in the cleverly worded ways that these people speak and write about, you know, why they're natural and so forth. I mean, there's another guy in the same boat who just recently, I don't know if this is a kind of current trend for these guys, but he also wanted to get into the, you know, his best shape since his competitive days, which, you know, ended probably 15 years ago. Um, and he too is a big, owner CEO of his own now um, named supplement company and same type of thing I mean here's a guy that it's 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 inconceivable that this guy is you know getting into that shape um, condition now now in my personal opinion he looks like complete and utter garbage but um, but that's been more just the result of probably the abuse of all the stuff that he used to do and certainly the muscle tears and God knows what else is going on there. But the point being is the condition itself, his leanness, his vascularity. Um, you guys know what I'm talking about. That type of thing. It's inconceivable that this guy wouldn't be using something. And for him to be doing it and doing it knowing that everybody knows that, you know, he is the face and the owner of this company that, uh, it, it, the implication is again that, you know, well, look at all my wonderful brand of supplements here and all this. Amazing technology that's gone into this, and I spend you know one dollar of every whatever they say you know into research and development, and this is going to change the face of it's 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 utter lies really, and I think it's platforms like this um, and and multitudes of others that exist on the internet that are thankfully um, helping a lot of young guys kind of avoid the pitfalls of spending so much money. But it's amazing people still do though. I mean, in fact, I'm constantly shocked that a lot of these companies still have the kind of the, the, the economic pull and push and influence that they did, say, 10, 12, 15 years ago. But you know what, Rob? There's always a new crop of 16-year-olds yeah, you know, and, or, or newbies of, of yeah. different ages, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and somebody made a good point on a message board that I was just on last night, and they, they were saying, you know, it, it, speaking to the, about the first person I was speaking about when I brought this um, these examples up, he said something like, you know, at least, you know, these guys are less honest than the drug dealer. Because at least the guy, <laughs> at least the guy, I mean, you know, and this is of course with the, uh, you know, belief that, you know, the guy selling the steroids actually, you know, knows that they're real. Um, but, uh, you know, right, I mean, he's not selling you, I was yeah, going to say that. Exactly. Uh, yeah, but, <laughs> yeah, he's but selling again, you fake. <laughs> right. But it, 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 yeah. if you're, if you're on the belief that, okay, this guy knows he's selling the real deal steroids, that guy's less corrupt than the guys are that are, that I'm talking about. Because at least they, at least the stuff that they sell you, this is what I'm selling you, and it works. Yeah. You know, versus well, I think, and that's you know, the ISSN I went to with Lonnie. I think that was you know, kind of the resounding thing that was good to hear coming out of there was, you know, if you want something that really works and will do something and meet its claims, it's probably illegal. <laughs> you know, as yeah. far as the supplement companies that's go, and it's like that's not bullshit. That, it, that's real. Yeah, and it is true that if something is potent enough to have really dramatic effects. It's probably also potent enough it's going to have some side effects, and the FDA is just not going to stand for that. Yeah. Not for and very I mean, long. I, and I think the main thing here is, you know, I don't think any of you, any of us, are, are getting down on, you know, we, we're we not blind to the fact that pro bodybuilders are on a ton of stuff. 
and we're not pissed about that. No, it's not judgmental. The, no, it, no. Yeah, it's the message. It's the, yeah. the lying. It's the the blatant lying. Like, um, you know, Lonnie saying that the best quote you you heard was from uh, Dorian Yates. You know, he didn't skirt the issue. He just said, you know, what was it? Uh, I can't yeah. talk about that. Yeah, we, we don't want to. We both know I can't. No, I can't talk about that. Yeah, right. And that's just, of course, he can't. I mean, but that's a noble way to come out of it. It's an illegal activity, you know, right now. So. At least he doesn't come on and say, oh, hell no, I'm taking metrics, dude. That's why I put on 85 pounds of lean mass. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean. Well, and you're just, right. There's actually some companies like, uh, well, I don't know. Uh, I'm not going to name any in particular. I've I can I'm got one right on the tip of my tongue. I'm not going to say it. But there's definitely a, a com- big companies out there who just explicitly lie. And you'll see in the ad next to this 290-pound behemoth with 2% body fat, you know, that – uh, this or that uh, tech supplement made me the man I am today. Well, g- good luck. Good good luck. You know, the, for the average guy, he's thinking to himself, "Well, I'm taking that. Why? I'm I'm a loser. You know, how come? You know, I've tried this. I, I've dropped my fifty bucks on these guys. I don't look like that. And this sounds ridiculous to veteran listeners, I'm sure. But remember, most people don't have the background. Or the intellectual acumen to say, that's not gonna happen, you know? And then they, they start to blame themselves and that's, herein is where it's not cool. Yeah. Because you get the older guys looking at that, um, retired pro that Rob's talking about, or you look at younger guys looking at these 20 somethings or 30 year old pros and they're on the cover of the magazine or in the ad. Sometimes it's explicitly lying. Sometimes it's just implicitly lying. But either way, you're left with young guys thinking, God, I'm a loser. Instead of following the message we keep harping on this show, which is this takes years, guys, even decades. That's not bad. That's good. Enjoy it. It's a lifestyle. You can reach quite far, you know, without going to such extremes. And again, I know know some guys are going to choose to use. Hey. To each his own. That's not, you know, I, some of those guys, they look fantastic. Some of them, I'm, I'm sure they managed to get off and, at some point and, and bounce back with, you know, in every way and they're, they're fantastic, but you, you know what I mean? So no judgment at all except the lie. It's not the use that we're condemning automatically. It's the lie. At least. Well, it's, and it's no. the lie. No, it's more than that. It's the lie for profit. Is what it is. Well, yeah. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care if you say to save your ass from going to jail. Say no, I'm not on. Oh, you don't sure. Say, I'm not on. Buy this. This is what did it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's greed. Yeah. It's not self-preservation yeah. that, they're, that the lie is for. It's exactly. greed. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and and, and it's. Yeah, I mean, and I just thought of something funny, a funny visual when you were talking in the second there, Lonnie. I was saying, you know, what what got them there, and I always think about, you know. You go to the big competitions, you know, and you always have the banners up, you know, of all the sponsors. And usually, you know, usually 90% of the sponsors are, you know, the supplement companies, right? You go to yeah. Mr. Olympia, you know, presented by Muscle Tech or, you know, Labrata and all this crap. And it's like I had this visual in my head that if you really want if, – if, if there was really honesty being presented there, you know, you go to a Mr. Olympia. Instead of all these banners for all these supplement companies – You'd have banners that would be like, you know, uh, testosterone and, uh, you know, growth hormone. 
Insulin. Oh, yeah. We used to joke about that. Or like IGF one. Right. The the drug Benadryl. (laughs) Right. The drug companies like sharing pharmaceuticals. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. Pfizer. Right. Eli Lilly. (laughs) (laughs) I just had this image, you know, in a world where yeah, where honesty was actually presented. You know that. Um, I that there was a visual that ran through my mind, but um, you know and. Again, to our listeners out there who don't have a, a lot of experience, um, certainly, as we always say, um, you know, there is supplementation that um, can be good added additives, additions to what you are uh, eating, what your diet is. You know, when you're talking about protein and creatine and all these types oh, of things. Oh, absolutely, yeah, and, and I that, that's a good point, Rob. We should definitely point out we are not condemning dietary supplements. Some people go on such a tirade that they think they're all cheating and this and that. This is preposterous. There are things like fish oils and vitamin D that if you don't use them in a supplement, you're probably just not going to get enough. Or whey protein has its advantages, creatine. There's lots of supplements, different herbs, you know. So not condemning that at all. Just saying yeah. that they, they are equipotent with thousands of grams of testosterone, whether right. it's implied or explicitly stated, is bogus and it, it hurts uh, young guys, you know, it's fraud, and that's, that's well, it's. Yeah. Phil said it best when he said, you know, like it's, um, if you if there is something that is going to be so dramatic, it's not going to be something that you're going to buy in a GNC. You know, it, it's, um, it's certainly they GNC sells lots of things that are so, like I said, very very helpful towards the you know the additional dietary requirements of a hard training athlete for sure. However. Anything that's going to be dramatic enough to turn you into a, you know, four percent, two hundred sixty pound dude, uh, you know, with with cellophane, you know, right. skin and is illegal. Right. That is not <laughs> something you will find in GNC or or any supplement store at all. And any of these ads that you see, you open up any sort of muscle magazine and you look at these ads, and you know. 99% of the time, that guy smiling, flexing, you know, with the sunglasses on, the cutoff shorts, and the fancy photography and over. That guy, trust me, what you're looking at there is not the supplement. It's- well, and like Phil said, too, and it's temporary. Even with all those drugs, you know, there's a handful yeah. of guys that are using enough growth that they're like that all the time. And I think I can think, we can all think of a couple. Sure. But, yeah, it's temporary. It's pharmaceutical. Again, nothing from that, but don't tell 16-year-olds that you got huge on bogus tech, you know? Yeah. Because, <laughs> exactly. That's the thing. That's the thing that gets me. I mean, well, anyway, it's just a brief tirade. I guess we're, we're kind yeah. of, you know, enough with that topic, I guess. <laughs> we're, we're out of time. We're out of yeah. time. <laughs> but you know what? I think if there's ever an Iron Radio-approved product line it, it would be it'd be staples you know i mean w- what are the things you know that are really not questioned like i like it'd be nice to have big 10 pound bags or 20 pound bags of whey protein or you know big jugs of fish oils or the kind of stuff that you know listen like you said it's it's stuff you got to seek it's uh you know it's almost groceries in a way without without yeah, all the yeah. all the freaking claims and everything. So, oh no, maybe yeah. one day a supplement coming in here to say that and say, "Oh, these guys are <laughs> Well, it's yeah. like, yeah, as long as as long as it's, you know, legit and we're not going to have uh we're not going to pay somebody to endorse it, you know, that's got pink cellophane for skin. So. But you know, like even like again cuz I know we have to wrap up here, but like even like Phil said, even if the guy that was in the ad, you know, the little voice bobble 
bubble or the little text, you know, you know, was like, you know, I use this and I find this helps, you know, meet my daily protein requirements. You know, at least it would say something that wasn't implying that it did anything. That's right. And I'll tell you what, Rob, uh, and there's a, there are some quote unquote industry scientists, guys with real degrees, but their degrees are kind of for sale, unfortunately. And, I, I could tell you a story about one in particular who literally was in court defending a company and the judge said, well, doctor so and so, what you're saying is not completely false, but it certainly is misleading. You're using numbers in a misleading way and they use images in a misleading way. So anyway, yeah, so the law won't act against them automatically because they're not technically lying, but there's still certainly misrepresentation. And so. so the basic take-home message here, and that's Lonnie's phrase. He always used the take-home message. Yeah. But seriously, the take-home message here for our, our listeners out there, um, you know, specifically the ones who have been engaged in this whole wacky world of iron <laughs> sports for less than maybe a, a couple years or so, is if the claims look outrageous and too good to be true, and th- this is certainly nothing unique as you hear this time and again for everything in life. If it looks too good to be true and amazing, it is. Well, Mark, I, you if, know what? And here's another way to say that. I heard Carl Sagan say this once. Extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. Oh, you know? great, yeah. So absolutely. people go to that extent. If, if, if 270 pounds ripped to shreds, that's extraordinary I want extraordinary evidence. I want numbers. I want a consensus from many studies, you know, not just somebody's word. Yeah. That's not extraordinary. All right, guys. Yeah, good one. Good one again. So, yeah, so to our Iron Radio listeners, thanks for uh, being there with us, and uh, we enjoy having our audience, uh, you know, respond to us as well. So send us your communication feedback, and uh, otherwise we will... I don't see you out there in Iron Radio Land next week. Awesome. Later. Catch you later. Bye. Bye. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, Please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org uh, store. Uh, we also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. Hey, IronRadio.org listeners, this is Lonnie Lowry, and I'm just bringing you a sneak peek only for Iron Radio listeners at this point. If you Google CRC Press, Lowry, L-O-W-E-R-Y, and Protein, you can be some of the first people on the planet to see this book. It's specifically for strength athletes, everything on the safety of high-protein diets, the efficacy, the dosing, the types practical applications and case studies. This is a textbook. It's not what I would call an industry book. This is not pseudoscience. This is the state of the art science. And if someone wants to critique you on your extra protein intake, this will be something you can hold up and say, this is what the literature says about stressed kidneys or bone loss or gout or dehydration or 
increased muscle mass over time or leanness or what types are best. This is the ultimate source in one place. Little disclosure here, I do make a single digit percentage of royalties on this book. It's such a low amount, however, obviously I haven't done it for that purpose. I did it because like you, I want to have something I can hold up in one place that's modern literature instead of what a, perhaps a health educator might tell you about the benefits and the potential concerns, if there are any, on ample protein diets specific to a population like ours. Thank you. Hello everybody, Phil Stevens here for IronRadio.org, StrengthGuild.com, and ChadX.com to tell you about the Strength Refined Seminar with myself, Phil Stevens, and ChadX. Saturday, September 24, 2011, CrossFit Sin City, Las Vegas, Nevada. Strength Refined is a one-day course in refining your technique and proficiency in the squat, the bench, and the deadlift. It's going to be a long day. We'll squat, we'll bench, we'll deadlift, we'll do a Q&A, and then we're going to go heavy and go eat. For more information, go to www.strengthguild.com, click on the blog, go to Meet the Seminars, click on the Strength Refined Seminar, and it's all there. Hope to see you there. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.